You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Jake Neer. I'm sitting in for Stephen Henderson today. Who He'll be back on Monday. We've heard a lot of explanations about Donald Trump's rise in American politics in 2016. It was growing anger about economic insecurity. It was a rise in overt xenophobia. It was Hillary Clinton's shortcomings as a candidate. It was a fluke. But uh, our next guest thinks there was at least one other critical aspect of Trump's pitch to voters. Cartoonist and author Scott Adams has been defending Trump as a candidate, although not really with his specific policy proposals, since his early entry into the 2016 presidential race. He says Trump is a master persuader who used that, as well as basic and widely practiced business tactics, to pave his path to the White House. His new book is Win Bigly, Persuasion in a World Where Facts Don't Matter. Uh, Scott Adams is the creator of the Dilbert cartoon as well. You probably know him from that. Uh, And Scott Adams, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. And uh, I wanted to start with a quote from your book here that I thought was really interesting. Now, uh, we want to say right off the bat, you sort of called this. I mean, very early on that you were saying uh, that that Trump uh, would would end up winning. And in your book, you say, I also believe that Trump, the master persuader, was going to do far more than win the presidency. I expected Trump to rip a hole in the fabric of reality so we could look through it to a deeper truth about the human experience, and he did exactly that. Uh, Scott Adams, could you talk about what that rip in reality that we're now looking through is and what it looks like, in your opinion? Well, I'm a trained hypnotist. Uh, I went to school for it, and I've studied persuasion in all its forms for decades as part of what I do as a writer. And I noticed that same skill set in candidate to Trump. And one of the things that you learn as a hypnotist is that the normal way of looking at the world is upside down. Mm. The normal way is that people are rational people. They look at the facts. They use their logic as best they can. And every once in a while, they're a little crazy, but that's the exception. The hypnotist reverses that and says, no, we're irrational as our normal mode, and we rationalize what we're doing uh, in crazy ways. Uh, And you see that uh, in what I call the uh, two movies on one screen. You see half the country sees an entirely different movie playing in which there's a monster that somehow got elected. We don't know how. And then the other half says, oh, we got the guy we want. He's kind of funny. He's getting a lot done. We're looking at exactly the same facts. We have the same levels of intelligence on average, completely different interpretations. That's actually the normal way of the world. It's not an abnormal way. And and in fact, it pervades everything we do. That's the big switch in perception that I think uh, the world is starting to see. They're, They're seeing that the facts of an argument don't matter to people's decisions they they make tribal decisions and irrational decisions, et cetera. And, and Scott, I'll admit that the one th- one of the things about your book that really sort of messed with my head is that you're talking about irrationality. You admit that your calling of your prediction that Trump would win was irrational, but then you go on to sort of rationalize that, right? I mean, it's sort of it's hard hard to when we're dealing in. Uh, irrational thoughts, and we're trying to explain what's happening in in America. It's sort of 
um, you know, is it a fool's errand in some ways to try to do that? I mean, you would also admit in your book that there are different lenses we could look at this that maybe maybe you just got lucky or maybe, uh, you know, that there's so many other explanations to fit. Uh, maybe maybe you helped cause uh, this, you know, that that um, it's, it, you know, coming to conclusions, it seems like is very difficult based on what you're writing. Yeah, there's there's always the survivor bias. Where somebody was going to be right, and when they were right, they were going to claim it was because they were they were brilliant. <laughs> so what I tried to do is to make predictions instead of saying why I was right in the past. Uh, and one of the predictions, and I, and I picked uh, unusual ones. So when uh, when candidate Trump called Jeb Bush low energy Jeb, I called that the end of uh, Jeb's campaign, and it was mm. because that. That nickname wasn't just an insult. It was a cleverly engineered linguistic kill shot, as I call it, and it had a lot of technique in it. It used an unusual word. It made us reframe him as uh, low energy from what probably you thought was this calm, collected executive type. But as soon as he contrasted it to his own high energy, you couldn't see him as anything but sleepy after that. <laughs> That's interesting because that is the one nickname that he sort of doled out to one of his candidates that I was sort of less uh, in, or interested in. Uh, you know, I think when I think back to the labels that he put on his competitors, it was Lion Ted Cruz. It was Little Marco Rubio. Those were the things that really stuck in my brain. But it's interesting you bring up the ability to contrast himself as being what stuck out to you about that. Uh, was yeah. it was it effective on, in, in all uh, all those cases? So the other things he does with the other ones is he, he often puts a, uh, a physicality to it that you're reminded of. So even Lion Ted has unfortunately the kind of face that a director would cast in a movie as the liar. You know, he's just got beady eyes. So even if he doesn't lie, people are going to imagine that he is. Mm. Uh, Crook, you know, crooked Hillary. You knew that there was going to be future confirmation bias stories coming out about the Clinton Foundation and emails that would make you think, "Oh yeah, crooked." So these names become sort of catch-alls that absorb all of our confirmation bias and reinforce the point he's making. Mm-hmm. And and he uses a little bit of wrongness, which is a technique as well. So using these types of insults that are inappropriate in the political domain is the reason we can't look away. And capturing somebody's attention is the big part of uh, persuasion. First, you got to get their attention, and that's what he does marvelously. Uh, you're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer. I'm sitting in for Stephen Henderson today. We're speaking with Scott Adams, cartoonist and author of Win Bigly, Persuasion in a World Where Facts Don't Matter. And Scott, I want to talk a little bit about that, the, the subheading uh, of that book, the, the persuasion in a world where facts don't matter. Uh, obviously, as someone who is working in the news world, <laughs> it is something that we talk a lot about with about how much facts matter. This is sort of what we try to get to, right? I mean, this is this is this is what we dedicate our lives to. And um, when you come out and say where, where where facts don't matter, that's the world we're living in right now. Talk a little bit about what you mean by that and, and why you think they don't. I mean, and should they? Well, facts certainly matter to outcomes. If you walk in front of a truck, you've got a problem. But they don't matter to our decisions, even though we're all sure that they should. So the way we see the world is if somebody disagrees with us, we think, well, they must have not seen the right information, or there must be something broken in their brains, that, mm. or they're selfish or, or lying or something. The reality is 
we're looking at the same data, but we're just creating different movies in our head to explain it. And once you understand the world as a bunch of different movies, none of which are entirely true, uh, then, then you get to it. Uh, you get to closer to the reality. And for example, if you go to the grocery store, you could be standing next to someone who you know, believes that their prophet flew to heaven on a winged horse. The person to the right thinks they reincarnated from a you know, Tibetan monk. We can still shop. We can live our lives, have, have children, have jobs. And yet we're living in completely different realities. And that's the, the normal way of the world. Yeah. Uh, we only have uh, a little bit of time left here, just about a minute or so, Scott, but I wanted to uh, put out something that Brian on Facebook sent to us. I want you to respond to this because I thought it was an interesting uh, criticism of, of your writing here. From what I've heard from Adams, he seems wholly concerned with the effectiveness of persuasion without regard for morality, as, as if effective persuasion is a virtue no matter how you accomplish it. What's your reaction to what Brian on Facebook is saying there? Well, that, that's a common comment because I do talk about persuasion and people don't ask me about ethics. <laughs> um, I can assure Brian. And, <laughs> and, and we world. will also say that you don't necessarily agree on Donald Trump about much in terms of policy. Right. Yeah. I'm not, it's not a policy agreement type of thing. Uh, I can assure the world that my sense of ethics is almost identical to uh, you know the average human being. Uh, but these are uh, the persuasion tools are just that. They're tools you could use for evil or for good. If you believe the president really wants to make the country great and that his intentions are in the right place, then those tools seem entirely appropriate, uh, even if he exaggerates or misses a, a fact sometimes. If you think he's evil in his heart, uh, which I, I don't think is the, the case, uh, then you come up to a different conclusion. Um, so to Brian, I would say, don't worry. Uh, if you were doing something that I thought were leading the country into a, a huge disaster, I would certainly <laughs> say so. All right. Scott Adams, cartoonist and author of Win Bigly, Persuasion in a World Where Facts Don't Matter. He's also the creator of the Dilbert cartoon. Uh, Scott, um, Scott Adams, thank you so much for joining us here on Detroit Today. All right. Thank you. This has been Detroit Today. Thank you so much for listening. This is WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. Our show is produced by Laura Weber Davis. Our program director is Joan Isabella. Technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Associate producer, Gus Navarro. And Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET Sam Bobian. I'm Jake Neer sitting in for Stephen Henderson today. Stephen will be back on Monday and we will talk about next week's election. So make sure you're here for that. Thanks so much. <laughs>